Welcome to The House Podcast. We want to encourage you wherever you're at today. Reach out or email us at any time, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Oliver. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so excited about Alpha this fall. Alpha is one of the, the things I get to host on Wednesday nights, and uh, maybe you're watching that video and you feel like that kind of describes you, that, that person who's kind of maybe looking for some answers, kind of exploring the Christian faith, dipping your toes in a little bit. Um, we want to invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. It begins this Wednesday uh, from six till eight, we start every Wednesday night with a free homemade meal. They are delicious. Um, I have the, 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 the meal plan somewhere, but I don't know what it, it might be like chicken noodle soup this weekend or something. But join us regardless. It's going to be amazing. And maybe there's someone in your life who uh, has been kind of pestering you about what you do on the weekend. And you're like awkwardly say, oh, I kind of go to church on Sundays. And they're like, sorry, what was that? You're like, Trag, I went to church on Sunday. They're like, oh, what church? And you're like, oh, I don't really want to talk about it. They're like, oh, tell me more. And, and that person who's asking questions or who wants to know a little bit more, uh, maybe you would want to invite them. We've got these great um, alpha invite cards at the, the back there that you can grab on your way out. And uh, just simply invite someone to join us on Wednesday nights. Maybe it means you come with them and you bring them with you at a table and we get to kind of explore faith together with them. Uh, but that's happening this week. Hope that you would join us for that, either inviting someone or joining us in person on Wednesday nights. Um, alpha means it's fall around here. We do Alpha every fall, and it's, it just feels like the, the air is crisp. The pumpkin spice lattes are flowing. I actually tried one this week. Um, I haven't had a pumpkin spice latte in like a long time. Surprisingly delicious. I get why every 18-year-old girl loves them. They're, they're amazing. They're incredible. Um, but fall means, uh, alpha means fall. And with this fall kickoff, uh, we're back to two services. Thanks for being here at 11 a.m. this morning. Uh, I want to continue in our series we began last week called The Great Invitation, What It Means to Follow Jesus, uh, because right at the center of our faith is this invitation, not an not obligation, not a command, but an invitation to come follow me. And regardless of where you find yourself this morning, whether you're disillusioned with Christianity or the church, you're kind of dipping your toes back in, or maybe you're firmly there, you identify in that space, uh, we want to narrow in on this invitation and the implications of what it means for us as we follow Jesus today in 2022. So I want to look at a classic text from Mark chapter 2 this morning. It says this. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners." Uh, this past summer, I entered one of those Instagram giveaways, the ones that we all 
hate because you, you, you like, you share, you tag as many friends as you can, and we all hate it about social media because you get tagged a million times for giveaways you're never going to win and you're never going to care about. Um, I did that. I did the whole thing. I liked, I shared. Um, I actually won an Instagram giveaway. It was amazing. Uh, one of the things that I won was a, uh, a, a trip, uh, two nights at the Fairmont Empress Hotel in Victoria and a dinner for two on the veranda there, like overlooking the harbor. It's like a million miles above my pay grade. Um, and uh, so my wife and I planned this trip to Victoria. And you can just imagine, like I'm, I'm planning it in my head. It's epic, right? Like it's, we're going to the Fairmont Empress. It's like the oldest, you know, one of the oldest hotels ever. It's beautiful, it's majestic. And in my head, I'm thinking the dinner on the veranda, we're gonna be overlooking the water. It's gonna be beautiful. We're gonna, it's gonna be quiet. There's gonna be like a waiter who's just refilling my beverage every time I want. Like it's gonna be epic. We're gonna stare into each other's eyes and just have this magical romantic moment. Um, what I did not take into account was <laughs> our nine-month-old son who uh, had just learned to scoot around on his butt and uh, was overtired from the trip and hungry. And so we get to this dinner on the veranda and there was very little staring at each other's eyes deep in reflection. It was mostly like handing him little puffs and like cleaning up his toys off the ground. Um, and, and, and I thought, you know, our room, Harbor View, they told us, Harbor View room. You're like, that's gonna be amazing. At the Empress Harbor View, amazing. Um, we get into the room and there's a window that's like this big. Uh, I'm like pe peering out like, is that the harbor? I think I see the harbor. Um, I'm expecting like spacious, open room, like, you know, ceiling to, to floor glass. Like that was what was in my head. Um, it's a very small room, like v smaller than your average room, I would say. And which means that Elliot, our son, is sleeping like two feet away from our bed. And so instead of having, you know, my, my, my dream was like, we're going to watch the sunset, you know, lounge, we go to this spacious room, it's going to be beautiful. Uh, we spent most of the night, like, on the floor, in the dark, on our phones, trying not to wake up Elliot, who was like three feet away from us. And so our expectations did not meet, you know, our reality did not meet our expectations. There's this massive gap between what we thought the trip was going to look like and what it was, and, and we still had an amazing trip. It was beautiful, we got treated, it was amazing. But there's this gap between the reality of our experience and our expectations. And I wonder if you ever feel that way about the Christian life, about following Jesus. Uh, do you ever feel like you were promised something or even kind of like sold something? Somewhere along the way, someone told you if you believe in Jesus or accept him, like your life will be complete, you'll be happy, you'll be content, life will be good, it'll be epic, he'll bless you, your dreams or your passions. Maybe you grew up kind of going to church and doing the Christian thing, youth group on Tuesday and trying to live a good Christian life and yet found or find yourself deeply disappointed. Like there is this enormous gap between the life Jesus promises, what he talks about in, in John chapter 10 is life abundant or life to the full and the life that you actually experience, your lived reality. I think truth is we all experience that gap to some extent. That gap between life abundant and our day-to-day -day life, how we actually live. But I wanna suggest that much of that gap comes from 
a, a partial or misunderstanding of what it means to follow Jesus. And so I want to take a few minutes this morning to just kind of explore a little bit more of the first century context for what it meant to follow Jesus, and then talk a little bit about what it might mean for us today. I've always found this story in the Gospels a bit odd. Um, here's how it reads. As he walked along Jesus, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. <laughs> End of sentence. You're like... I feel like we're missing a few details in there, right? Like, who does that? You're working your day job. A guy comes along and says, follow me. And you're like, done, deal, I'm in. It's a little weird. It doesn't really make sense unless we have a little bit of context. Jesus, in that day, in the first century, was known as a rabbi, um, which is the Hebrew word for teacher. In fact, of the like 94 times Jesus is referenced or, or called something, Almost 60 of those times he's called rabbi, teacher. And a rabbi in that day would have a group of people called disciples who followed them. The, the word for disciple in Hebrew is talmudim, which means student or follower, or what many people believe is the best definition is this word apprentice. Because sometimes when we think of student, we think of like classroom, like I'm learning content, or, or um, follower, you maybe just think like Instagram or social media. Apprentice is a different kind of word because an apprentice isn't just there to learn new information or content. An apprentice is there to kind of learn a job. If you think about like an electrical apprentice, they're not just there to like learn information about electricity. They're there to learn how to do a job. By the end of their apprenticeship, hopefully, they are a qualified and skilled electrician. This is what a disciple or a Talmudim would do. It's a more active, hands-on kind of learning approach. They would literally, in that day, follow their rabbi around, their teacher. And discipleship was a well-known system of education for the Jewish people. Um, but not everyone would be a disciple. There was kind of like three tiers to the education system. Um, most, uh, most Jewish kids would spend their early years, up to kind of the age of 12, studying and learning and memorizing the Old Testament scriptures. So it was like kind of everyone did this, more, more or less. They would learn, they would study, and by the end, by age 12, many kids would have the first five books of the Bible memorized which is we call the, the Torah, the law. It's like we're talking Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Everyone's favorite book of reading, right? Like you you're must read. Um, they would have that memorized for the most part. But then by age 12, most of those kids would then go on to work the family trade, the business. They would apprentice under their dad or whoever and kind of get, get stuck into the family business. But the best of the best, kind of the smartest and brightest of those would go on to sort of a second tier of education where they would spend, it was like intense Bible college. They would spend most of their day uh, studying, learning, and memorizing the Old Testament. And they would do this for years. And by the end of that, most of those people would have almost the entire Old Testament memorized. Uh, it was an oral culture, so memorization was more of a, a kind of typical form of learning. And so at that point, most people would be done. Most people would move on. They would go back into a, a trade or a business of some kind. But the absolute best and brightest, think like Harvard grad school, top of your class kind of style, the elite, 
they would go on to hopefully become a disciple, a Talmudim. And essentially, they would get grilled by rabbis who would come and, and question them on their understanding of Scripture and their interpretation of Scripture. And did they know this rabbi's interpretation? And did, it, did they know how it differed from this other rabbi's interpretation? They would get grilled on their understanding of Scripture. And the whole goal was that by the end of that rigorous process, a rabbi would turn to you and say, come follow me. Or in other words, come be my disciple. Follow me around and learn from me as a rabbi. And if by chance you got chosen, which was a small chance, you would make it your life's goal to follow your rabbi, literally follow them around, but also to try and become like your rabbi, to kind of mirror them and copy them and become like them so that one day you would in turn say to other people, come and follow me. This was the context for discipleship in the first century. Jesus didn't invent it. There were rabbis before him. There were rabbis after him. There were some that were more famous, that had more disciples than others. But this was the form of Jewish education that Jesus kind of steps into. And this is why Levi in the story pretty much immediately drops what he's doing to follow Jesus. Because he recognized Jesus was a rabbi. In fact, almost every time Jesus invites someone to, call, to follow him throughout the Gospels, the text tells us immediately, you know, immediately they drop their nets or immediately they followed him. There's this kind of commitment they make almost immediately as they recognize what it is they're being invited into. You have to understand, for most of Jesus' disciples, actually for all of them, they would have already missed the boat on discipleship on becoming a disciple, a, a Talmudim, an apprentice of a rabbi. They missed that boat long ago. They were working regular day jobs as fishermen, or in this case, a tax collector. They had already missed it. They had been overlooked or, or missed their chance. The shot of becoming a, an apprentice, a disciple of a rabbi was a distant dream until Jesus of Nazareth shows up. And he does things differently. He doesn't assemble the best and brightest per se, he, he, he takes a different approach. The text says he's kind of walking along the beach and he sees Levi working his day job and says, come follow me or come be my disciple. He goes out into the margins, to the overlooked, to the broken, and he says, come be my disciple. Jesus is generous with his invite to follow him. He's generous with his invite. In fact, another text in scripture um, Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, if anyone, like it's an open invitation. You and I are, are invited to follow Jesus, to become his disciple. And this invitation to become his disciple isn't just given to the overlooked and the broken and kind of the marginalized. It's also given as the solution to our brokenness and our overlooked, lonely kind of state. It's given as the solution to our human condition. Here's how the text reads. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. 
See, the Pharisees can't really comprehend why Jesus would have this group of kind of marginalized, overlooked, even broken people, despised, rejected people around him. What they don't realize is that Jesus has them around him, following him, because that is the solution to their brokenness. The, the, the solution to our brokenness is simple. Come, follow me. The healing remedy for our hearts is not simply to believe in Jesus, but to follow him, to become his disciple, to take up not just his teachings, but also his way of life, to mirror our life after his. My guess is that one of the reasons we experience such a gap between kind of life abundant, life to the full, and like your everyday life as you wake up tomorrow morning going to work, is that we miss the fact that Jesus' invitation to follow him is also an invitation to a whole new way of life. So it's, a, it's an invitation to a different kind of way to live. He's not a self-help guru who just gives us a few quick tricks and tips to kind of make life more comfortable or manageable. He invites us to reorder our life around him. He offers us a whole new way to live. And this is why, if you kind of read through the scriptures in the book of Acts, uh, the disciples, the church, was called the way. Have you ever noticed that? It's like this kind of weird, it reads weird in the book of Acts. They're often referred to as the way because they lived a different way of life. They followed a different rabbi. They, they ordered their life in a way that was so unique and compelling, people knew them just as the way. For me, I felt kind of the gap, uh, the gap between expectations and reality going to church, uh, going to youth group, uh, going to Christian school for, for a little bit, believing the Bible stories, believing in Jesus, even kind of doing my best to live a Christian life. But it never really fulfilled or satisfied me. There's just kind of an ache, a hunger for something new or different. I felt that gap. It felt like a chasm. Until, for me, it wasn't really until I got to know Jesus for myself began to take his teachings more seriously, began to start to slowly put him at the center of my life instead of kind of out in the corner of my life. We'll always be disappointed in the Christian life when it's this thing kind of over there. We sort of tuck it away, we pull it out once in a while. It's not something you just kind of do as a hobby that would have been sort of foreign to Jesus. It's not something you just kind of throw into your life to make it better or more comfortable. It's an invitation to a different way to live. But what does this mean for us today? Because we literally can't follow Jesus around like, you know, um, in the dust, in the dirt roads. We, we don't follow him like the disciples did. How do we take up his invitation to follow in Kelowna in 2022? Because maybe you're hearing this and you're like, man, I just came here for the free coffee and now I'm like, well, you're telling me I need to reorder my whole life. This feels like a lot. This feels heavy. Uh, yes and no. Here's what I mean. What I don't think Jesus invites us into is to like quit your job, go to Bible college, get a you know, Bible college degree and become a pastor or a missionary. Sometimes we imagine like the Christian life is that's like the, the pinnacle is like you're overseas somewhere helping the poor. Um, that's great. Maybe there are a couple of you where that's the invitation. But I don't think for most of us that's it. What I do think is that the invitation to put Jesus at the center of our lives remains. To take our life as it is and to slowly 
rearrange our life and order our life around Jesus. And as daunting and as maybe as big and overwhelming as that may sound at first, the truth is there is something at the center of your life already. We all have something at the center of our lives. It might just be career or family or, or a certain kind of lifestyle or salary in mind. Um, the popular idea in our culture today is to follow your heart, to put your dreams and desires at the center of your life and kind of make that the goal to pursue those. Following Jesus simply means putting him at the center, to let him and his teachings and his way of life inform how you live your life, how you make decisions, what you do with your finances, what you do with your, your job, how you work the job you already have, what you do with your sexuality, what you do with your time, to, inf- to let Jesus and his teachings and his way of life inform how we live our lives. Dallas Willard puts it this way so well. I love this quote. I think about it often. He says, how would Jesus live your life with your personality, with your talents, with your life experiences, within your life context, if he were you? If he stepped into your shoes, how would he begin to live the life that you have right now? Within your age demographic, your neighborhood, your vocation, how would he begin to live that life? This is the great invitation, to mirror our life after his, and in doing so, find rest for your souls, find healing for your heart. And all of that, we'll close here in just a second, All of that is a process. Uh, It doesn't happen in a moment or overnight. Though you may make a decision to believe in Jesus in a moment or to follow Jesus in a moment, all of that takes time. We learn to follow Jesus. It takes time. It takes a lifetime, in fact. (laughs) When I first started kind of taking Jesus more seriously and trying to, you know, actually follow him, to order my life around his life, his teachings. Um, I knew that there were some things that were gonna have to change right away. There were some big things in my life I knew were incompatible with a life of faith. I knew that there were some things that had to go. My, primarily my friend group like totally changed almost overnight. The, the friends I had grown up going to high school with and kind of partying with, they changed almost overnight. I just knew it could not, I could not kind of fit them into a life of faith in that season of my life. It was actually really hard in many ways. My life kind of got flipped upside down, but I knew it was worth it because as Jesus kind of got a hold of me, as I got to know him, as he began to transform my life, I started to taste a little bit of the life that we talk about often, abundant life, life to the full. That started to come into focus a little bit. It was as if my life was being lived in black and white and all of a sudden there was little bits of color. As I started to get to know Jesus, as he started to transform me in radical ways. And that process has not really ever stopped. It might look different in 2022 than it did way back then. Um, there's maybe not as drastic of changes that I'm making to my life each and every month or day, but there are always things that I know Jesus wants to transform in my life. There are always areas of my life I know he's working in, that he's kind of drawing out, that he wants to do his work in, that he wants to change and transform as I let him do his work in me. 
might be my ability to be critical and judgmental of others like in an instant. It might be my pace of life. It might be my prayer life. Uh, it might just be the fact that I'm always angry when I drive. I'm, I, I have a problem with that. <laughs> Jesus' words, don't be angry, are like right in my brain as I you know, swerve around a semi or whatever it is. Um, Every year I feel Jesus invite me into something new because the, the process of following Jesus is a process, takes time as we let him slowly reorder our lives around him. And so as the band comes this morning and we close, whether you're dipping your toes in or exploring who Jesus is for the first time, maybe you're kind of rediscovering faith after leaving it behind for a long time and you're not really sure where you land, or maybe you're like a seasoned Christian. You're here, you identify with it, you're like, I'm in, I'm all in, I've made that commitment already. Our hope for you is that over time, over weeks and months and hopefully years, gathering in our community, following Jesus together, slowly over time, your life slowly starts to reflect Jesus more and more. That as people look at your life, they get a glimpse of Jesus. They get a glimpse of what Jesus would, would do with your life if he were in your shoes. But it's a process. It doesn't happen in a moment or one act. It happens slowly over time as we make small steps to order our life around Jesus and his teachings, his way of life. And this is a safe place to do that, to explore that. We're not here to manipulate or guilt or kind of twist your arm into doing anything. Uh, whether you have tons of questions about Jesus or you're firmly here committed, uh, there's a place for you to, to grow and to explore what it looks like for you to follow Jesus. It's why we do Alpha every fall. It's why we do a series called Rhythms every January. It's why we do community groups to learn, to, to know Jesus better, to learn how to follow him in this season and stage of life. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, who you are, the invitation is the same. Come follow me. He gives it to each one of us. So maybe uh, you're here, you've actually never taken that step to follow Jesus. Uh, maybe you feel like Jesus is kind of actually, that's the thing for you to, to commit, to say yes to his invitation maybe for the first time. We're not gonna have you put your hand up or do something weird. Um, I would just simply wanna pray with you after the service and kind of, sometimes we need a moment to mark a decision. Uh, following Jesus takes a lifetime, but sometimes we need a moment to mark our commitment, a decision to say yes. And I'd love to do that with you after the service. If you would come forward, I'd love to pray with you as we mark that moment and decision with you. But regardless of what stage of faith you're at, maybe you're here, you're committed. I wonder if there's just one small step you could make to order your life around Jesus in this stage and season of life. Is there an area of your life you feel Jesus is just kind of highlighting, bringing to mind, kind of bringing to the forefront of your life that you know needs a little bit of transformation, that you know needs to be realigned or reordered around him. The question, one of the questions I often ask myself is, are there, is there anything I need to add to my life? Or, or, or another question is, is there anything I need to subtract? Sometimes our life is too full and Jesus is actually inviting us to, to say no, to let go of things. Is there one small step you could take to order your life around Jesus in this season, fall 2022? Let's pray as we just kind of reflect and close with that thought in mind. Jesus, we first wanna thank you, God, for being generous with your invite to us. We recognize, God, we are broken 
in different ways. We need healing, <laughs> we need saving. We cannot do it on our own. And so God, we thank you that you are generous with your invite to come and follow you, to be your disciple, to learn from you what it means to live a good life, an abundant, full life. And God, I pray for each one of us this morning that you would help us know what it is that you're inviting us into in this year, in this month, in this season and stage of life. What is it that you want to take and transform slowly over time as we let you in, as we let you do your work? Would you just bring that to mind, both now and as we go from here, this week, this month, would you highlight in our minds what it is you're doing, what it is you wanna take and transform as we open ourselves up to your work. So God, I pray for some, some life change. I pray that you would encounter us like Levi along the way, you would encounter us and that we would hear your voice. We would know your invitation is for us regardless of what life has looked like in the last couple of years. And you would help us say yes to your invitation to order our life around you as your disciple. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna worship together as we respond and then we'll close in just a minute.